Good evening and welcome to the wonderful Geek Talk podcast, the talk show where we talk about everything geek. I am your host, the Anthony T'Challa, and today I bring with you a special guest, Cherry. Hello. Nice to see you all again. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you said guitar podcast. <laughs> nah. Also, I don't know what's going on with the the follow goal is incredibly wrong. I don't know what's happening with all that stuff. But uh, for those of y'all that are listening to us on Spotify, wherever the heck else we're going to put this, uh, we are live streaming this. And if you want to be a part of the podcast live, you join us at 9 p.m. Eastern on, on twitch.tv slash user underscore friendly every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. So today, 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 I'm so excited to, to actually talk today because I did a lot. And uh, looking back on it, I was sitting there like, did I do anything? Like, did I appreciate any media today? Like, did I watch anything? Did I read anything? Did I play anything? Then uh, I took like five seconds to realize that, yes, I did a lot, like a lot, a lot. Oh, well, first off, let's say hello to chat. Hello, chat. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Zach. Hello, Taz. Hello, love Ooh, of my Taz life. Here. Hello. Here. Hello, hello. Uh, but yeah, literally I'm sitting here like, oh, hello, Lewis. I'm sitting here like, did I do anything in the past week? And then I realized like, yes, I did a lot, like a lot, a lot. But, uh, let's start off with uh, Kevin. Hello. Uh, let's start off with you, Cherry. So, um, talk to us. What have you been up to for the past week? The past week. Uh, so last week I I mentioned I was DMing a, uh, D&D campaign coming up soon and that first session is happening tomorrow. So I have been just running around on my computer with a chicken of my head cut off <laughs> learning how to use roll 20. Oh. I'm just <laughs> That's so, so cool. I, yeah, so yesterday I spent about uh about 6 hours just staring at the screen and was like, okay, how do I get all the tokens in here? How do I like display everything? How do I set this encounter up so it's like beginner friendly for me <laughs> and everybody else? Yeah. And I managed to work, I managed to work something out. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. That's really awesome. How has your experience been uh, with Roll20 so far, like trying to learn how it works and everything? Uh, it's initially overwhelming, but once it, once it's set up, I think it will just kind of flow. Because when, when you first, like, I had to watch all the tutorials and everything, right, and then kind of play around with it. And when you see, first see Roll20, it's really it's just like you have a whole sidebar over here, then you have, like, lists upon lists, and you have own images, and it's like, it gets very intimidating. It's just like, and you want to set up like, well, okay, I just want to set up a, a map or something like that. It's like, okay, how do I do that? How do I scale it? But once you know, once you get everything uh, scaled up, you understand how to lay how the layers work, uh, how to set up your tokens. Once you're that, and you realize the rest, you can just kind of either narrate or text based. So I'm thinking it will go okay. I'm th- I'm really thinking I'm, I'm, it's going to be okay. I, yeah. I did I did spend I just spend a good amount of money just for just for my own mental <laughs> my me- own mental security. It's just like I don't want to have to type in every single one of these things. I want to ha- I don't want them to like be able to like have the have the things in front of them. So I just spent some money just to get that kind of put away. But uh, I spent like a little bit of minor minor cash here and there on um, just like 
basic assets, like you know, yes. some extra some extra boats so I can put put on the <laughs> on the ship. <laughs> So, hey, but yeah, it makes you good. feel better. Those are all creator made, so they don't go to Justin to roll 20's pocket. So, yes, yeah, uh, it's funny that you say that too. Because when I was doing uh, the first campaign on Roll 20, which you were a part of all that yes. time ago, uh, I was doing everything by hand, and then I saw the monsters manual that was already in Roll 20, and I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just get this right. And uh, it was an absolute godsend because you just type in the monster and then you drag and drop it and then it's done. All the stats are there. You can roll for the monster. Everything's there. It- oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so blessed. I'm just like, oh, thank God. Because yeah. especially that's the main thing that I had to figure out while I was sitting because like um, that people have videos where they where they set up like how, how they set up their football, uh, how they set up their list and like. Then you got your challenge rating, uh, one or two monsters in here. Then you have to create it. Then you have to like create it, and then like if you were doing it by hand, you would have to like create it, name it, put in the images over there, set it up. But in other ways, you can just can drop it. And it's done. Yeah, it's yeah. an absolute godsend. There's actually uh been this new thing that's been popping up. Uh, Jeff showed it to me, and then it popped up on my TikTok a week ago. And reminded me that it existed. Uh, instead of it being a top-down view uh, with little tokens, it's actually an isometric view. Ooh. And it looks really neat. It is called... Uh, I'm in their Discord, uh, ready to uh, hop in there one day. What did it think? I think it's called... Is that Moda? Is it this one? No. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> but... Oh my goodness gracious, it is so nice. It's like this isometric view where your characters aren't just top down, they're like to the side. And someone also on TikTok showed how to do that in Roll20, where you take off the grid and then you just get characters and then you just scale them to the size that you like, the, the size that they would be. So like if you have a monster, you can use that as a general like, like a general ruler, a measurement tool. There's the role. That's the word I'm looking for, measurement tool. And then you just make the people smaller. And I was like, oh, it's neat. And they, uh, the, the person on TikTok made a bunch of different maps and stuff. And I was like, that's really neat. I like that. Is that is really awesome. I think I might know what you're talking about. Because I, yeah. I remember I saw something. Well, one of my friends uh, sent me something. Like, it, it looked it looked really cute. Um, I, if, if, I don't know if we're talking about the same one, but... It looked really cute. It had like almost like looked like hand drawn art. I was just like it was isometric. Yeah. So yeah. So I think we were talking about the same thing. I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, wow, that's actually really cool. And I'm really excited because like uh I'm gonna be going back into DMs DMing soon. My strict saving campaign got pushed back uh for things that are outside of anybody's control, but uh, I'm very, very hyped for it because I came up with a few really cool ideas of making it interesting and one of the things that i learned from a bunch of other dms like uh brennan lee mulligan is like taking inspiration from things that's not just like video games right taking inspiration from different books that that don't even take place in like a fantasy setting or taking inspiration from like songs and movies and things that they don't necessarily have to be in a fantasy D setting but you can have 
characters and villains that are similar or like plot points that are just similar to these things that you enjoy because they can they're they're kind of modular sometimes you know you can Mm -hmm. fit things like that into things so i have i have an idea for this campaign and once it gets started i'm really excited to see how uh my players enjoy it because it's going to be kind of a mystery there's going to be this overlooming mystery of the school while also trying to survive and you know pass and graduate from college at the same time but also having to solve this overall mystery with little uh things happening here and there that most college students have to go through but of course we're gonna amp it up to 300 percent but <laughs> having to come up with this figure out this overarching uh mystery on top of that what's the so I, let me pick your brain for a little bit what's what do you think is the most like the hardest aspect for deeming for you personally or especially when you just, especially when like you first started out what did you really struggle with prep the hardest the hardest thing is definitely prep because uh people don't realize how long it takes to get a campaign going even if it's a pre-made like sitting there i i loved running curse of strahd with all of my heart but you have i had to sit there and read curse of strahd for like four hours and prep notes just for the next session right Um, and strahd is strahd is not it here's the thing about strahd strahd is a phenomenal campaign it is so much fun it is so interesting it's very difficult so much fun but it requires the dm to know everything that happens in the book because it's an open world D adventure it's not just oh, that sounds not, very difficult yeah, actually it's not just like oh you get to go in this linear path you know it ends up getting to a point where the the players are at a crossroads and they can go to here to there or there and the levels do not scale with the players the levels stay exactly the same no matter where they're supposed to go they can be level three and they can walk into the level seven area and that is the point of Shrod, where they're supposed to be exploring things and they're supposed to run away they're supposed to be afraid of Shrod, i.e in our campaign edelgard they're supposed to be afraid of that they're supposed to be afraid of every single person that they meet because they don't know they don't know who's on their side and who's on. Sounds like Strahd's sounds like side. great horror bait. <laughs> oh, it's amazing! It <laughs> is so great. great. And uh, but the problem is prepping it is that you need to know everything. You can't just wing it because if you're if you think oh my players are not going to go here and then they decide to go there, you have to make sure that you have the breadcrumbs for them to go from where they were. <laughs> to- <laughs> to where they need to go <laughs> mm. or at least get information from of where they are even if it's way above where they're supposed to be at that moment at that point in time take that information and have that feed into the overarching mystery of how they got there who is Strahd, and how do they leave right mm. those are like the big three mysteries that they have to solve and it's important to have the whole thing as a DM together. Uh, and even creating my own, like when we were doing our own campaign, which I quote like the beta campaign, because there was just so much testing and stuff going on. It just took hours and hours of prep and making maps. And because uh, you want to have fun and you want your players to have some sort of agency. 
And for me personally, I like to have, I like to let the players have an agency of their quest, of their journey, of what they want to do next, right? I think it is more interesting for me and the players where it they don't feel like they're getting shoved along a linear path, but if they go up to a built like a, a bulletin board and there's three quests right there's three notices right or they talk to three different people and they have three different quests that they can go on i like the players to have that sense of agency of oh i can do this and it feels like it's more their choice and it makes it makes me and them more enthralled in the universe that they're in and more immersed in it because it's like they had to choose to do that they had to go to the Bullington board. They got to talk to this person. They decided to go forward. They decided to go to that town. They decided to do all of that. I didn't push them along in a linear path. They got to decide where they were going to go and how they were going to get there. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think I remember that quest board you, you're you mentioning. From, yep. from I think it was either the beta campaign or, or the campaign where I played the Barbarian. Both. Both. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the quest board. Yeah, it's fun. Wait. It's 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 fun. It's interesting. And then but then again, when you do that, you have to prep three quests. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was also relatively worried. I was more worried about um because I have I have some very definitive ideas of what I want them to be doing. Because like they all have their own um objectives. Like one thing I think I've I've been blessed with like my character is very much in the, my my players very much know what they want to do uh in the in the course of their campaign. It's up to me to sort of fill in those details more so yeah. than anything. So um, but for this first session, I was worried because I was kind of working on a little bit of a time crunch because I'm just I'm trying to learn I'm trying to set up everything, get ideas for the first session, and also like and also like figure out how to use roll twenty all at once. Cause like I ba- like before yesterday, I barely even know how to set up a map in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so th- for this first session, I was worried about it, you know, being too boring. It's like, uh, or it's not. Um, but I got this idea where it's like I'm going to be railroading them a little bit in this first session. But um, if initially my first idea is what I want. I wanted the fight the the first battle session to take place on a boat. That way, they can't really go too many places. But uh, so my initial idea was um. Uh, they're sailing up. They're sailing down a river, um, and they're attacked by zombie tritons. And uh, and uh, they're attacked by tritons and uh, centaurs. The tritons would be trying to attack them on the ship, while the centaurs are trying to get a rope onto the boat and pull them ashore. Mm. So like, so I want to I want to sort of teach them that like, um, you know, they like like they can like do certain things to make the battle easier or harder. There's more interactions than just fighting or not. But then I thought I feel like that's a little too dull and a little too slow. So instead of one boat, I made it three. And I'm going to have a, a, a little setup scene beforehand where it's like there's a band of uh, there's a band of centaurs getting on the ship and they're uh, getting on one ship and a band of warriors go a band of um, warriors going on. And they're all going the same direction, generally speaking, um, but they don't have all the same destination. And while they're do and while, while they're all going down, they're going to we're going to have a little bit of tension beforehand. And then I'm going to have one, I'm going to have one person turn around and see that there is a massive horde of zombie tritons coming for all of them. And like, if, if you're in the discord, which by the way, you know, exclamation mark discord. So you can see everything we're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm going to have one person and I'm just going to have my, my, my DM character. He's going to be, he's going to be like, what is that? Anchovies. I got, I'm got, I'm throwing this anchovies joke. So they, 
So, uh, so, um, because it's going to be like sort of sailor slang for a giant swarm of tritons. Oh, and hopefully they get that joke. Um, but I want, I wanted to set up like this, uh, about him because it gives, it gives them more freedom to feel like they're a part of something major and also make more decisions. Whereas, like, they can, because I realize that my player character is a temp, a swarm of the tempest cleric, and he gets to spell a gust of wind. So he'll actually be able to move the boat faster, and from there they can make a decision. Hey, either we can jump aboard the ship with the soldiers, who are more experienced and like their high, their higher level will be safer, or we can jump on the boat with the uh, the centaurs, who are going to be struggling with this with the sea combat lower level. They don't have as much defenses, but uh, and you think and um, but like they will have more story opportunities because the the general is going to is going to the city that I want I want to set for the next for the next session. But the centaurs may lead to an alternate campaign. So, and when, and once they're on either ship, I'm going to like have them roll just roll a die and see how much more difficult it's going to get. And based and based on that, I have a few ideas set up even from there and get uh, to make it a little bit more exciting. Where they're going to, they can either hey, like this is going to get really bad. We can either escape on the ship we're on and let let the others fend themselves, or we can try to convince one of the other two to uh. Like move the ships together, we can all work together and escape this together. So hopefully they can, you know, role play a little bit that on that with too. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much, Jeff, for three hundred biddies. Greatly appreciated. And dear queer with five gift subs. Greatly, greatly appreciated. Um. Yeah, I love that idea. And the the last thing I'll say on that topic, just as like a pro tip. And something that I need to do better of is take notes of the decisions that your players make uh, and use that later. And you will you will thank yourself because, you know, they might make a minor decision that you didn't think anything of. And then a week later, you might be like, wait a second, you review your notes. You're like, that could mean something and you can bring it back. And that adds so much immersion and storytelling and have fun. I, yeah. I'm I'm excited to hear about it. That's yeah, I have a lot of fun. Yeah, I have a secret twist that I'm say I'm setting for them. Whereas that um the the centaur the centaur ship is a stolen ship from another band of centaurs. So um and if if they do if they do choose choose to go with the centaurs, they were going like they're going to be get tipped off. Hey, I think this ship is stolen. You might be walking something into a bad situation. And then um and then I'm just gonna let um, I have some more ideas after that where they can. Hopefully, have a little mini adventure before they get 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 to where they're going. So it all depends on what they want to do. Yeah. yeah. So, um, looking back on the notes, you want to talk about Titanfall two? Oh yeah. So, um, I was oh, I'm very interested to see where uh twenty twenty two takes us on the year of gaming because I think there's a lot to be excited for. And for those who don't know, uh, there was this massive massive drama with I can't remember. Maybe it was oh six months back. Where the the game Apex Legends got hacked, and it got hacked by these hackers that wanted to do a whole, uh, it, it said um please like please save uh Titanfall, and it, it made I think it made people like it stopped people from logging in, and when you when you log in, it would say please save save Titanfall. When you went to go hit the play button, it would say please save Titanfall. That's wild. <laughs> oh yeah, it was a wild thing, and the story gets absolutely bonkers. So first people because like um at this time for whatever reason there's a bunch of DD, DDoSing hackers. Completely okay. shutting down both Titanfall one and two, so that's what that's the original context behind that post. And so, um, so another uh, another group of like hackers hacked Apex to say, "Hey, 
can you get respawn to help us out here like help your brother brother sister community right here um then there was this whole other drama thing that happened behind the scenes with that where now i can't tell if this is confirmed or not because no one seems to know anymore but the group that did that that did the the original hacking on titanfall was also the group that posted the save titanfall thing and they were a group of ex respawn devs trying to get back onto the team so they could work with the team and eventually make a different titanfall game that sounds like a really bad way to do that but go on <laughs> we we don't know anymore yeah. um if you want the if you want the whole full details i'm sure you can find a, a drama video somewhere all about this but basically the situation is that respawn has shown that they don't care very much about the community of titanfall um and they've just sort of let it rock they're focusing on apex legends because that's their main money cow right now of course so and so players do what players always do when when faced when uh face situation that no one's gonna help them they do it themselves and so yeah. there's a there is a that. new uh there's a client for um Titanfall called Titanfall Fall North Star it allows people to download it um run their own pro- run their own private uh you know private servers away from the game well, away from the game servers and the interesting thing about that is that like first of all they're not in the game servers they're not getting DDoS. Um, but second of all, they're also decentralized and make, making it much harder for that for this sort of thing to happen in general. And they've added uh, updates, new game modes. And so I'm excited to see more uh, more modded multiplayer content and decentralized servers and things like that in the future to see where it leads us. Yeah, you know, that's something that's super important. It's just especially with those community driven games is community made content. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of these companies don't recognize that or respect it uh and i know it's not i and i know it's a little bit more convoluted than that i know i'm talking in a very gray area of ip ownership and copyright which i don't believe in any of that but abolish it abolish it (laughs) yeah so i I know i know we're talking in a very gray area but it's just very unfortunate that we we live in a world where people can really appreciate a media like a media and it just gets dropped and then nothing can ever happen with it ever again. Right. Like mm-hmm. imagine if you read your favorite book and you wanted, and it never finished, let's say, right. You, it was supposed to be a trilogy and they never finished the trilogy. So you, a fan of that book, write your fan fiction to end that trilogy. Right. Because you really want that trilogy to end and you enjoy it so much. And you're like, okay, I think I did a great job. I'm going to share it with the world. And then it just gets immediately shut down. (laughs) Right. A bunch of people get on it. They're, they're all excited. They're like, oh, this was amazing. This was amazing. And then shut down. (laughs) That's, that's something we hear far too often these days. Really is. It is. And it's unfortunate, especially with the but the issue with video games in particular is because we're moving more towards this uh, digital form of media. Right. That once those things are gone, they could be gone forever. Right. So we're talking. Let's talk about like the Scott Pilgrim game where that was gone for well over a decade before it (laughs) just came back last year. And, and, you know, that's like the perfect example of that, of the Legend of Korra game by Platinum that I've been wanting to play forever. You cannot buy that game anymore. That game does not exist. The only way that you can play that game ever again, as of right now, as of January 25th, 2022, is to sail the high seas to find it. And... It's just so unfortunate that that's where we're moving towards in 
uh, in the future where we're just doing so much of this digital form media and it's not being preserved. And I, I, and speaking of that, I hope, I hope, you know, if any of you die, die hard Shonen Jump fans out there, um, I hope, I hope you have your copies of Jump Force if you really wanted that game, because pretty soon that's going bye-bye. And what's really, and what's really scary about that one is that like though all those IPs that they took from are in, are in one area and they're still having copyright issues to drop it. It's crazy man it really is it's it's absolutely upsetting and it's uh, it's really upsetting to me because i'm a person that likes to um i i experience media in a uh i would i would say a different way than most people do where when i watch something or i'm reading something or i'm playing something like that is my world right like i'm just completely it's a complete out of body experience where i forget that everything else exists and i'm just there that's it like i'm just there i'm through their eyes i'm seeing everything i'm i'm playing whatever i'm like i'm fighting whatever like that is it that is where i'm at and there are so many things that i i like that make me a part of me so many things that i've seen i've played and i've read that that make me me and to think that i could play something and be like this is one of the best things ever this is what changed me like this is what pivoted something or uh, like a crucible in my life and <laughs> then it just disappears and i can't share it with anybody and they just have to hear about it through my my perspective my lens and that's not the point, right? Like I felt I experienced this in a different way that someone else might have. Really disappointing. You can't, and so, and let's say you like, if you want to go experience these things is, you know, you got, it's, it's, it's weird to say, like, you got to go to like what people consider like a very moral gray area, just to experience something that get, that meant so much to you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Very unfortunate. And I think yeah. it's, uh, it's important that we preserve the games and just circling back to, uh the people being like we want more of this we want support for this multiplayer game like when servers shut down there that's it like you can't play multiplayer anymore and that's uh i think back on it was funny because before we started the call you were like oh yeah it's funny when i look up something and i'm like do people still play this game and you see there's a little community for it i think back on uh dragon quest 9 for the ds and oh, that my, game came my out favorite. Uh, that game came out uh, probably a trillion years ago at this point on the DS. We're talking not the 3DS, the DS. And there is DLC quests. There's extra quests. There's extra equipment and extra characters that you can only get through download play. And a lot of those things were not released in America. And Ooh. now all those servers are gone. They just they don't exist. But of course, people within the Dragon Quest community are like, well, we want people to experience the entire game, not just part of the game. So they've made their own servers, and now people could just go on and put in a special DNS and IP address, and then they could download all the DLC for free. Like, it, a lot, it, it sucks because it's the people that appreciate these games, the community that appreciates these games, that's what makes these games great. Yeah, I I remember uh like like about a year ago, um, I th- I I ris- I I misread an article saying that the 3ds the 3ds um the 3ds eShop servers were going to be shut down and like mm-hmm. those are going to be shut down for like uh like a very obscure place of the world which still sucks don't get me wrong 
But yeah. I was just like, oh no, I won't be, I won't ever go get back to go play, go uh, get back to play uh, these Shin Megami Tensei games with all their DLC quests. So I need to hurry up and buy all of those. And I was like, oh wait, false alarm. So I was just like, oh, but like the fact that I have the fear that I won't be able to experience a part of the game again kind of sucks. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's a fear that. Like I collect, I, I'm a huge video game collector, which a lot of people probably already know. Uh, and now and I get a game, I make sure that I get a physical because I get so terrified that uh, there's going to be a game and I'll never be able to play it ever again because the PS3 store shuts down or uh, they never poured it up from the PS2 up to the PS5. Or uh, the the GameCube game that I really wanted to play so bad is now $350 physical and they're never going to port it because of copyright issues because some developer company doesn't exist anymore and then that publisher doesn't exist and they've got eaten up by this conglomerate and, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, I get, I get terrified. I'm like, I go to the store and I'm like, well, I really want to play this game one day so I better pick it up before I can't pick it up anymore. And it's funny because I, I think about Balan Wonderland, right? That awful, awful game. That awful game by the, the guy who made Sonic the Hedgehog and Nights in the Dreams or whatever. That game that's absolutely terrible. I'm so scared that 15 years from now, that game is going to end up being like $500 because... <laughs> <laughs> because it was so bad but there's going to be some brand new appreciation for it because something's going to come out some youtuber vtuber whatever is going to be like yo let me tell you about Battle in wonderland and blah 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 and then never get to be able to play it because it won't be on the digital stores anymore because of copyright issues and the guy doesn't want it up anymore and you won't be able to buy it in stores unless you go on ebay and it's scalp for seven thousand dollars I'm pretty sure we already have situations like that. Like, I want. I wonder what the price of Ride to Hell Retribution would be if I look it up right now. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. Battle in Wonderworld. I do that every oh. single time. Battle in Wonderland <laughs> sounds better, so, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness. But, yeah. but yeah, man, I'm scared. I'm, I'm thinking, like, I wanted to go back. I have a, I have a whole drawer full of... Uh, full, of uh, full of Armored Core games. I had this one by, the, by my desk. Don't ask me why. Um, <laughs> I have a full drawer of like old of old armored core games for the PS2 and the PS3 that I can I can't play because these things aren't backwards compatible. And then nope. I'm sitting here, nope. And then I'm sitting here thinking, man, I really want to go back and play like and well, some of these Etrian Odyssey games with all of my favorite classes. Like I want my wolf back that can like that can tank enough damage to, to kill my party fifteen times over again. That was a fun experience. <laughs> and I'm just like, wait a minute, those things were like JRPGs from Atlas that came in the fancy boxes. So if I look those prices up right now, I'm probably going to be paying out the pocket. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And uh, NIS has been doing an interesting thing where they've been re, uh, they've been putting out a lot of those old PS2 games onto the Switch, and they're calling it the NIS Classic collection um so first was phantom brave and uh soul something soul nomad and soul nomad never came out in america so that was pretty cool i have like five copies of phantom brave i have like two copies on the wii one copy on the ps2 <laughs> don't ask why i i just do and now the next one that they're doing comes out in april and they're doing makai kingdom 
which is a game that's referenced in pretty much every single Disgaea game since Disgaea 1. And uh, some other game that's like a 2D beat-em-up. It's not the SRPG, which is interesting. Uh, but uh, it sucks that I kind of have to just let it, let the, the, the publishers and the developers decide that they're going to put it up uh, for me to be able to enjoy it. Especially, <laughs> especially in the era of COVID now, because um, I'm pretty sure we should have gotten the Mega Man Battle Network collection by now. But I, I, there was talk around... Uh, how that's been delayed because of COVID. Um, if it's coming out at all, like yeah. Mega Man, Mega Man Battle Force content still exists somewhere out there in the in the airwaves of Japan. So I remember months ago I saw a crossover between Dual Masters and Mega Man Battle Network only in Japan, <laughs> only in Japanese that I saw coincidentally. And uh, I'm just scared from some of my favorite franchises. Like like at this point, like I, I, I was scared for like Etrian Odyssey's like future because they said they were planning on something new for the Switch. And that series literally ended at the like towards the end of the cycle of the 3DS, and I have heard not a thing from it. So it's good to hear that this is still active. Maybe I'll get a collection of those games on the Switch somehow. Yeah, some of them are some of them are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I'll be totally frank with you. I have it. I have yet to play it. it. I bought, of course, I bought it because I'm like, oh my goodness, am I going to be able to play this game ever again? Phantom Brief. Yes, I have it on every console ever. But Soul Nomad is uh, first time ever dropping here. So I was like, yeah, I need this. And I'm scared that because and here's the wild part, too. It, it, it you never know how fast it could be because it could be a month. It could be like two months. It could be six months. It could be a year. It could be five years. It could be 10 years. Like they can pull it at any time. Like think about when Cooking Mama for the Switch got pulled in a weekend. Yeah, like that, you know, uh, it's back now, but it's just like that was really fast and it's really scary because it was pulled in a weekend and uh, now it's like, oh, physical copies are going for double what they were, what they like you paid for them because uh, of the controversy and you can't buy it. So you got to be careful, you know, it's really upsetting that that's the world that we're living in right now, but and copyright and copyright and copyright uh you know what disney if you're listening i hate mickey mouse <laughs> screw you and your your three circles uh i was going to re- i was going to reference mickey mouse earlier but uh, disney i assure you one day in the future you will be free for all of us it will speaking happen of, speaking of disney um so one of the things that i did this weekend actually um was I watched Encanto. Okay, I gotta let my friend know because she's waiting on it. Waiting to talk about Encanto right now. <laughs> oh, sweet. Yeah, so I watched Encanto. So, um, I'm on TikTok a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. And uh, there's so many Encanto TikToks. The, the, the amount of crossover of D&D TikTok, ADHD TikTok, Kink Talk, Encanto TikTok, and Hamilton TikTok, I wish I can, I I wish I was exaggerating when I tell you that it is a literal circle. A I, literal circle. I, for, when you first started, I was just like, wait, I'm into the, all these things and I see them all at the same time. And I'm just like, wait, how did these last two get it's here? because <laughs> of D&D Talk. D&D Talk <laughs> is all the same. It's just yeah. one big circle of all these uh, things because we're I all I believe nerds, you. I right? believe you. 
So I I decided that I was like, you know what? I think it's finally time to watch Encanto. Uh, I'm still like a couple of Disney movies behind. I haven't seen Moana. I haven't seen uh, Luca. Jeff Wilson is in charge of, t- of Disney Encanto yeah. TikTok. <laughs> but I decided to watch Encanto and uh, I cried a lot. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it so much. And I'm sad at myself that I loved it so much, but I really, really enjoyed it. The music was very good. The plot was very good. The message hit home. Uh, the animation was phenomenal. I mean, I I get it. Like Disney Pixar is known for like being the like S plus tier of animation, but I did not expect it to be that like smooth and every every strand of hair everything all of it i was like wow mm. but in kanto so i i brought this up not just because i watched it but because there are just certain things that really hit so the whole plot of Encanto, or the whole overall overall like moral of the story no spoilers obviously is that it's it's supposed to say that you as an individual are worth more than what you do. So you're Isn't worth more. Movie? Yes. in a Disney movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> you are worth more than what you do. Like you are worth more than uh, like your job or you're worth more than your skills. You are worth more than that. And uh, there's the, there's the one, one character that everyone references on TikTok, right? Uh, she's got super strength. That's like her thing, right? And what happens is the main character is chasing after her. her that's her sister. And because she knows something. And the main character is like, tell me, tell me, because I need to know, right? I need to know. I want to help. And uh, the sister breaks out into song about how much pressure she's under because she feels like she needs to essentially like take control of everything that she is the strongest. She's literally the strongest of the family. So she feels like she has to hold the pressure of everything of the entire town of the family of her grandmother and all of the, all of the uh, responsibilities and things that they put on top of her that she has to take it for everybody. And it's just wild because she is literally the strongest character and she has to, she's holding the world on her shoulders. It's like, it shows like everything falling. And then she like, she buckles to the weight of it all. And then she has to get back up because she has to be strong for everybody. And oh my goodness, I have been crying about this for like two days because I'm like, is this me? <laughs> <laughs> It's just it, it was wild to see that in like a Disney movie and just again, like the way that I take in media is that I I really analyze it and I'm in it. And it's just the it's the symbolism of everything was, yeah, they love to get you by the trauma, Jeff. Yeah, it was it was very tra- like absolutely hit right at the trauma point of like, yes, people are putting all of this weight on you and 
It's and they don't mean to do it, but they are doing it. And because you are literally the strongest, whether it be emotionally, physically, however it be, you feel like you have to hold on to that weight. And because you they feel like you can hold on to that weight, they put more and more weight on you until you buckle and when you buckle you feel bad that you're buckling underneath the weight so you feel like you need to be stronger and it is like oh god <laughs> i probably hit like eight of the uh, 15 people that are in chat right now i probably hit all 15 people at once like oof that hurt <laughs> yeah uh this sounds this sounds like a really really good movie especially in 20 especially in 2022 yeah and uh, yeah 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 it's uh it's it's really easy in the world to like sort of reduce yourself to what it is that what you do because what that gives that's what people always praise you for and give you validation for but it's not always um because i remember i remember when i first started getting into art you know shonen was was my big thing but recently i've had to come to terms with like an almost like world-ending realization that like the stuff like the art that i really love uh stuff I, it just doesn't really get made as much anymore so like i built up my uh, a lot of my identity and self in that um in in that in that one sphere like this is what I like and i still love that sphere with all of my heart right but like it's not here anymore so i've uh, i've been trying to i've been trying to personally cope with the fact that um my that my art is not here i have to carry that with me while also still like maintain like maintaining that like you know there's the outside world also around there, and not reduce myself to just that one thing. But it's not. So this movie sounds very, very. I need to watch this. Oh, it was great. It was way better than I expected. I'll be honest with you. Uh, everyone put it up at a high bar, so I was like, "All right, I don't know if it's going to beat that bar, but it definitely met that bar for me." Uh, yes, uh, I'm sure that I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Yeah, that is the that hit, and you know what's wild about that um i was actually reading a book called kids these days and it is a book on the economics of being a millennial the macroeconomics oh of being a millennial and oh it's talked specifically about human capital right where we are raised from childhood all the way up into adulthood to be human capital that our worth is only what we put out into the world from education, from being a child all the way up into being a working adult. Our worth is only what we put out into the world because we believe as a society and human capital that we need to work. Otherwise we are worthless. And there's been, uh, there was a TikTok that I watched, uh, that really stuck with me. I think they were referencing a book, and I can't remember the book off the top of my head, but it's that laziness does not exist. Laziness is a capitalist creation and a capitalist fallacy. Laziness does not exist because we are humans, right? That we are we are only able to output so much, whether it be physical, mental, emotional. We can only output so much. And the concept of being lazy is what? Like not doing work. But we as humans don't always have to do work. Like we are not valued on like we should not be valued on just the work that we do. And 
that's not to say that it's not okay if you do value yourself based off of some of the work that you do, right? Because I absolutely value the things that I do for user-friendly and the, the and the amount of differences that we can make in a community and in the world. But it's to say that the rest of the world should not value you based off of just what you output because you are a person, <laughs> You're not a machine, right? You're not like it. Like we're valuing you. We're valuing each other based off of like an iPhone, right? Like how much can our iPhone do, right? We got all these gigs of RAM and we got all this memory and all the storage of blah, blah, blah. We can go this fast, that fast, blah, blah, blah. But we're not machines. We're not computers. We're actual human beings with emotions, with feelings. And we have to respect all of that. We have to respect our bodies. We have to respect our minds. We have to respect our emotions and respect when our bodies and our minds and our emotions tell us that it's time to relax. It's time to sit down. Like we are not, we should not be judged just by the productivity that we put out. We are not human capital. (laughs) It goes for college too, people out there. It's everybody. It's everybody. Like we're like it's a, it's just what we are raised to do. If I hear the phrase we are all we all have the same 24 hours a day, you are not poor, you are just lazy. I'm throwing hands. Oh. Exactly. Oh my God. It's disgusting. So it's absolutely disgusting because it's not fair because we don't all have the same 24 hours in a day. And uh you talk to any person with a disability, talk to any person with a mental illness and they will flat out tell you straight out that we do not all have the same 24 hours in a day. I am a hypersomniac. So sometimes I need to sleep for 10, 12 hours a day. Uh, I do not have the same 24 hours. Some people cannot sleep. They do not have the same 24 hours. Some people have to, some people take longer to do certain things. Right. And it's just we should not be judged based off the productivity and what we put off what the human capital that we produce. Yeah, I um, I've been I've been, uh, let's say, lagging behind getting having put in this application for college. And like because people not always keep asking, like, when you, like how's college going? How's college? And like when, when I last went to college a few months ago, I was burnt out. I'm like, I need a month, month or two. And like it's been about three weeks now. I'm just really just like, you know what? It can it can wait. It can wait. I got other things right now. I am just, I'm tired of it. (laughs) Yeah. Physically, emotionally. Yeah. And it takes a certain type of courage and a certain type of respect of yourself of recognizing that and saying that I need a break. Like, uh, I guess just as a a little personal tidbit, uh, I've been in the the job market for the past couple of months now. Um, And I've had tons and tons and tons of interviews and it has been so mentally draining having to put on certain masks and certain faces of interviewing with certain people. I've interviewed with like game companies and journalist companies that like, Oh, you need to be more casual. And then I've interviewed with corporations that's like, Oh, you need to be more formal and professional and having to go between the two and then be myself at the same time. It's just like so draining and uh, getting uh, just what's been happening with me is that I've been getting so far into like the job interview process. I've been getting to the final interview. I've been getting to test projects. I've been getting to second, third, fourth, however many interviews it may be with a certain, with any company. And then at the end, it's like, well, we decided to go with another candidate. 
and it's just been so incredibly draining on me and uh well like the last i think yesterday or the day it was the day before it was the day before right oh no yesterday yesterday was monday so yesterday was um the last rejection that i got after i did i did a test project i was so proud of it i was like wow i did really great work i spent a lot of time putting this thing together uh, and putting together this thing and they said you know you're just not a good fit and you know that's absolutely fair it's absolutely fair and uh i i like broke honestly i broke a little bit and it's like you get hit with this like imposter syndrome you get hit with uh like depression you get hit with like oh i'm just not good enough right and it's like oh maybe i'm not doing enough right it's like maybe i'm not applying to enough jobs i have like 50 something applications out right it's like maybe i'm not applying to enough no i applied to i'm more than enough right it's like oh maybe i'm not i'm not creating enough content it's like well you're creating tons of stuff it's like oh maybe i'm not reaching out to enough people you're talking to it's just so much right and it's like recognizing like hey anthony just breathe right like you're no good to you're no good to yourself and you're no good to anybody else like any of your friends your your family the people that you love and you're no good to any of these companies that you're applying for if you're going to stress yourself out over this right it's going to show it's going to show when because it definitely did when i had my last interview with one place that was super casual and we just talking and laughing and blah 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 and immediately thrown into an interview where i had to be professional and i had to be like oh yes of course like data statistics and blah 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 and it's like there it just was jarring and the person definitely could tell like are you okay like it's like something's off right it's like why like something's off and of course that person is probably thinking oh that's off because of you and it's like no it's off because i literally just got off of an hour call where i had to be like like un- like not unprofessional but just casual and lighthearted and laughing because they needed to see if i was going to fit in with the rest of the team and ha 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 joking talking about stuff right but yeah just taking that uh breath and being like anthony like you're no good to anybody especially yourself like this just breathe allow yourself to feel you are more than what you produce out into the world you're more than your human capital just breathe and do more things that you enjoy and things that you want to do and let yourself enjoy those things and here we are (laughs) i have i have i have an undying respect for a lot for a lot of you who can who can do who can do this sort of thing to put on those masks like you uh when t girl out in the chat because one thing that I have learned is that I absolutely cannot do it. Not to say that I can't fake it, right? Like, that's the like if I ha- if I was really forced put in the corner to a bomb, just like. But even when I'm when I'm looking at this application right now, that I did for college, they want they want me to have a a statement sort of thing. They're like, okay, why do you want to attend this college? Why do you want to attend this nursing college? I'm just like, to get the job. What what do you want from me? Get the job. I'm like, that same thing <laughs> happened to me. I had an interview with uh with a professional company. And uh, they were like, why do you want this job? And it's like, why do you think I want money? Like, in my brain, I, I'm like, I, I want money. <laughs> I'm like, is, I'm, you know, I'm so close to, some, to someone asking me, like, what, like, why do you want this job? I'm just like, so I don't starve. I'm like, like, I'm really, I'm really at that level. <laughs> but I found a way to phrase it that's not entirely offensive. It's just like, I am not a personal person. I'm here to do the work and I'm very good at doing the work. Please get me the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my answer was I'm looking to grow and learn. It's always my default answer. 
and I'm like, I'm like, but honestly, it's like, yeah, I want the job because uh, I need money and you pay money for me to do work. So what do you think? You pay good money. I do good work. It's a, it's a perfectly work, workable yeah. explanation. <laughs> perfectly balanced as all things should be. <laughs> but um, moving on from my anti-capitalist rant, as always, um, one of the interesting things that I, I've been doing to like be more appreciative of myself and uh, and actually enjoy things that I like to enjoy. I always get so much anxiety watching like movies and TV. I, it's not watching it, but getting to the point of watching it because I know that I get so invested into it. And then I get so anxious about the time sink that I spend on it, where if I'm like, oh, my God. This movie's three and a half hours long, so that's going to be three and a half hours of my day that is gone because I'm going to watch this movie. And then I know I can't do anything in the middle of that because I'm so engrossed in it. You but can't I, do things after that either. Because uh, I get yeah. so engrossed in yeah. it. Yeah, so, that's how it works sometimes. So I'm, uh, but so I've been really pushing myself to just like be like, no, you're just going to do it, and just tap the button and just press play. Uh, that's how. That's even how we got to Encanto. So. Um, <laughs> I've been watching shows on HBO Max, uh, other cartoons and stuff. Uh, two cartoons that I've been watching. The first was 10-Year-Old Tom. Uh, 10-Year-Old Tom is an adult cartoon, and uh, it is home movies, except in 2022. It's very good. If you like home movies, like from Adult Swim, uh, and you like incredibly dry humor, uh, that's just all conversational, uh, you will absolutely love 10-Year-Old Tom. It is not gross out humor or any of that. Uh, nothing violent. It's just all dry conversational humor to the point where it's not funny. And that's what makes it so funny. Uh, and it is just about a 10 year old who is living his life as a 10 year old and doing 10 year old things. And the rest of the world does not allow him to do 10 year old things because everybody hates him. And it is very, very funny. This just uh, sounds like a very specific kind of type of vibe to watch. Right? It is very specific. <laughs> uh, but if you are into that thing, uh, and you'll know if you're into it as right away. Like, if you watch it, because it, the episodes are technically, like, 10 minutes long, because there are two parts each episode. Uh, if you watch the first 10 minutes and you watch the first episode and you're not into it, you're not going to like the rest of it. Because it is all of that. It is all based off of conversations, of dry humor, of just... Like, uh, in home movies, the character that everybody loves is Coach. And Coach does this thing where he talks to the main character, Brandon. And he talks to Brandon about random things that he found out. And Brandon is, like, 12, right? I think he's 12 in the show, 12 or 11. Mm-hmm. And Coach is just telling, talking to him about this, like, huge, like, philosophical things that Brandon would have absolutely no idea about. All very adult all very inappropriate to be talking about like with a 10 year old, 11, 12 year old, but it's just so funny because of the delivery of how dry and monotone it is. And he's like, Hey, Brandon, let me tell you what I found out the other day. Have you heard of phenomenological experiences? And Brandon would be like, uh, no, I just wanted to play soccer. Well, Brandon, listen here. So (laughs) like, it's just all that. It's very good. Uh, the other thing that I watched and, uh, dry humor, living life is a kid conversational, low laugh track. Sounds a bit like, it is 
Malcolm in the middle, uh, except, you know what? It is Malcolm in the middle, but it's definitely drier than Malcolm in the middle. A lot drier. <laughs> uh, there's an episode that they... So let me let me here. This is going to sell either sell you on the show or it's going to be like, this is not for me. There's right. an episode, one of my favorite episodes where uh, the kid Tom wants to buy ice cream. The ice cream truck shows up. He's with his two friends and his two friends go to the ice cream truck to get ice cream. And he wants to buy ice cream. He tries to but he has no money. So he tries to borrow the money from his friends and his friends do not want to give him that money. So he goes and asks his mom for money. And his mom is like, we can't afford that. And, and and there's more to this. And Tom is like, I don't understand. Finds out that his dad was uh, cheating on his mom and left uh, to live in Miami in this whole conversation. So Tom okay. has to figure out some way to make the money to get ice cream. So they... His best friend takes pictures and raises a GoFundMe saying that Tom is homeless and uh, is starving. And all he wants is to get ice cream. They raise $6,000. So what do they do? They figure they have to figure out a way to dodge uh, to, to dodge all legality of the situation. So they buy the ice cream truck. And it is Tom is trying to figure out a way to make sure that his mom does not find out that he bought the ice cream truck. I'm telling you that I just laid this all out. It is so much funnier when you watch it. <laughs> it's just, there's just so it all happens in 10 minutes. It's all conversations. It is so good. It is definitely one of the best shows that I've watched in the past couple of years. Uh, definitely in my top 10. And if you liked BoJack Horseman and or you like home movies and you like that kind of dry humor, you will love 10 year old Tom. But um, the reason I brought up that I was watching shows on HBO Max is not to uh, rant about 10 year old Tom, but it's to rant about my childhood. So I. I have been in love with cartoons since I was a kid. I have watched so many cartoons from. We're uh, going back. I've seen almost every single episode, if not every episode of the Flintstones, Jetsons, pretty much any Hanna-Barbera cartoon out there. Tom and Jerry, I, even the 90s reboots of like Yo Yogi and um, and like Tom and Jerry kids and uh, a pup named Scooby-Doo where everything had to be super cool and radical. Yo, right. And. I don't know if y'all have ever watched Chowder before. Oh, one of the most underrated cartoons, actually one of probably one of the most underrated shows ever. Right. (laughs) The creator of Chowder made a show on HBO Max called Jellystone. And Jellystone is about a city that is inhabited by all Hanna-Barbera cartoons. And it is it's got the humor of Chowder. But the characters and personalities from these Hanna-Barbera cartoons, and it is so funny. It is funnier than I could have thought, ever thought it could be. It's not adult. It's very much geared towards children. It's very much plastic comedy, like uh, the old, yeah, right? The creator of Chowder made a show, yeah. Uh, it's very slapstick t- comedy like Chowder, very situational, but the characters from the Hanna-Barbera cartoons make it so much funnier because they there's so many. If y'all don't know, in uh, in the 60s into the 80s, 
Hanna-Barbera was like one of the largest uh, animation studios and they were just pumping out cartoons and the way they were pumping out cartoons was they had one premise and they would copy and paste it a million times over. If you've heard of Scooby-Doo, I'm telling you, there were 10 different shows that were exactly Scooby-Doo, like Josie and the Pussycats, Jabberjaw, Speed Buggy, um, uh, what's his name? The Radical Goat, the Radical Phantom or something like that. Oh, Funky Phantom, Funky Phantom. I, I mean, know Captain all Cape these Man. names. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you. My my Twitter bio says avid cartoon lover for a reason, right? And they're all the same show. They all have the exact same premise with the exact same villains. They do the exact same thing. Hanna-Barbera. So, but what C.H. Greenblatt did, the creator of Chowder, he took all these characters and he put them in one town and he was like, how would these characters interact with each other? And it is so funny they he changed some of the characters around. Um, there's one, a uh, freaking uh, Peter Potamus. Peter Potamus is a Hanna Barbera cartoon. It was a Hanna Barbera short of this uh, pink hippopotamus that rode a hot air balloon and would travel through time. Right? Oh my god, I know this character, <laughs> Peter Potamus. They made Peter Potamus into an anime weeaboo. It is so funny. I mean, there's a scene where it is the characters from Top Cat, and I took a screenshot of it because I needed it as a reaction image. This is the characters from Top Cat, and one of the characters are looking at um, his anime body pillow, and she literally goes, I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> I was like... You know, it's, oh, this is funny. There is a reference to sports anime. And this is what this is what I've been telling. Um, I was talking to Jeff and Lewis about this in the car because I honestly was in tears at this point. They go to play badminton. It's Yogi Bear, Jabberjaw, who's they, who they gender bent to be a, a girl, uh, Boo Boo and Captain Caveman. And they go and play badminton inside. And there, it's like a normal game of Batman, like in cartoons. And then Yogi Bear is like, no, we must win. And decides oh. to transform and get super buff, basically go Super what? Saiyan and hits the Batman. And normally that's where as far as the anime references ever go, right? And then Jabberjaw throws her, our her uh, Batman racket at the, at the birdie to hit it back. And then... Uh, Captain Caveman comes in and tries to spike it. Boo Boo is like, Jabberjaw, you have to do this. And then it just cuts to a scene and it just gets black. And she's like, I must do this. I must do this, not just for me, but for my friends, my family. And it literally has flashbacks of all the characters from Jabberjaw the cartoon. It's like I have trained my entire life for this, and I cannot let them down. And Boo what? Like, your racket, and she's like, "I can do this. I can do this. I need to channel the power of friendship." And she jumps and she grabs Boo Boo and uses him as the t as the racket. And I'm like, I cannot believe I just watched a sports anime reference in a in a Hanna Barbera cartoon, and it wasn't just like a generic reference. And I was like, this is good. That's amazing. That is really. <laughs> um, I, spe 
Especially me as a sports anime lover, I can tell you that every single detail so sounds spot on immediately. It was it was phenomenal, and the scene was like three minutes long. Like nothing in that show hmm. lasts for longer than it needs to. Uh, one of the episodes that I just watched was them going into a VR game, and uh, the character Gazoo. If you've ever seen uh, later episodes of the Flintstones, Gazoo is basically like a monkey's paw. He's like an alien, and he grants wishes to Fred Flintstone. But Fred never, it, it, you know, the wishes never are exactly what Fred wanted, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you asked for this. This is what you got. And uh, Gazoo is in this virtual reality game. And he gives the kids, uh, he like, the, the kids are in the game playing. And it's super fun. They're like blowing kisses at everybody. But turns out they're actually destroying the entire town. And I'm like, you know, that's a really good premise because I did not see that coming. I saw Gazoo and I was like, oh, that's interesting because he was a video game character. And I'm like, ah, I'm picking <laughs> up what you're putting down. It's a very good show. If you are into that uh, aspect of like Hanna-Barbera cartoons, if you ever watch any of those old things, even if you just watch like Josie and the Pussycats and you're not like super into like, there's like references to Speed Buggy and Speed Racer and all of that stuff from all from back in the day. Um, it was really good. It's like 11 episodes. It's on HBO Max. Uh, definitely recommend. How, how, like how did this show even come to fruition in the world, in the, in the year of copyrights? You know, Wait. I um, Rebel Taxi made a video about uh, well, it wasn't about that specifically, but he made a video uh, talking about it. Um, and like what what I've seen has been happening is like a lot of these people that are like super popular within the animation industry, um, you know, they all really love their childhood and they all really love like Hanna Barbera, and they keep wanting to push for more because all these shows were exactly the same right so it's like looking at she-ra where we had she-ra and the original she-ra was literally nothing but a commercial to buy toys that they were using to, to buy barbie dolls that they were trying to recycle uh, and make new things of right and oh, okay. so we have this framework of nostalgia but we can do whatever we want with it and the person that made this like super popular and I don't like him, but Seth MacFarlane because Seth MacFarlane has been trying to make a Flintstone show for like over a decade. And that's why the Flintstones keeps popping up in Family Guy, uh, because he just really wants to write a new Flintstone show that is Family Guy. But the Flintstones, uh, we do not stand uh, Seth MacFarlane out here. It's no, uh, an interesting thing I did not know about. But okay. C.H. Greenblatt, however, uh, was like, hey, I'll take the mantle. I'll do this. And he wrote it. And you you can see all the inspiration from Chowder because it's C.H. Greenblatt. Um, and yeah, Yogi Bear is a doctor. Uh, Yogi Bear, Boo Boo okay. and Cindy are all doctors and they are the doctors of the town. Huckleberry Hound is the mayor of the town. Uh, you got Snagglepuss. You got um, uh, what should we call it? There's so many characters. I, I'm just like. I don't even know all of the Top Cat characters because I can only remember Top Cat's name. Uh, they're all there. They all go through these really funny things. Highly recommend watching the show. It's on HBO Max. Uh, and, yeah, they're like 10 minutes. You know, just watch each one. They're like 10 minutes long. There's no continuity, really. Um, 
this here's what I recommend. This is what I recommend for y'all. Here's homework. Saturday morning, put on some PJs. Get a nice bowl of cereal. If you drink milk, put some milk in that cereal. Maybe get a nice cup of coffee. And sit down on your floor and just put on Jellystone. Watch an episode and enjoy your childhood again. Because that's definitely the vibe. That sounds pretty yeah, it was dope. Um, but yeah, the last thing that I ended up doing uh, in the past week, I finished Digimon Cyber Sleuth. Oh, how'd you enjoy it? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. If y'all watched, the, yeah, if y'all listened or watched the podcast last week, you would know that I spent uh probably a hundred hours uh grinding to get a specific Digimon, and I was I just kept going and going and going. And I finally got to a point last week where I was like, all right, we're good. We can finish the game. And then a bunch of side quests opened up and oh, no. I had to do every side quest. I had to fight every secret boss. And I did. I fought every secret boss. It took me probably two days, but I did it. I fought every secret boss and I finished the game. And I'd probably be more content with me finishing the game if I didn't spend 100 hours grinding for a Gallant Mon Crimson mode. But I did. And I was so tired of looking at the game that I just couldn't do it anymore. The final boss was an absolute joke because I spent so long fighting every secret boss and <laughs> grinding. I had my entire boss... My entire party was all max leveled, and they were all the best Digimon in the entire game. The real final boss was myself. You know what? <laughs> You're right. You're right. It's a good game, but you know what I did find out about Digimon Cyber Sleuth that I didn't know? Uh, it's made by the people who did Persona, yes. and the music is made by the guy who did Danganronpa. I think I knew that. I'm like, what an interesting mix for Digimon. Yeah. <laughs> Digimon is, Digimon's an interesting franchise, man. It really is. I was like, wow. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like I hear the opening thing. It's like, Dan and I'm like, this sounds like Danganronpa. Like I'm about to uh, fight somebody with my words, like load words into a gun. And then I'm like, wait, huh? And I quick, a quick Google search showed me that. Yeah. It's Danganronpa. Yeah. Yeah. My, my last experience with Digimon was with World Dusk. After I finished, because like I didn't have that whole uh, that whole grinding phase like you did. So when I got to the last mission where you have to fight like all the knights in like a five ball in like a five bo- uh-huh. uh, monster boss rush, I was just like, oh thank God, I'm done. And then, <laughs> and, then the, and then and then the platinum train and then the platinum I think the uh, the platinum trainer test opened up where you fight Omnimon and two like in training Digimon. And they absolutely obliterated me in like two shots. I'm just like, I guess I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, I had to fight a boss that had three forms. And I sat there because I know my Digimon. And I was like, all right, I'm probably going to have to fight two forms, whatever. I'm not even going to say what the boss was. It was a secret boss. So I was like, oh, I got to fight two forms. No big deal. No big deal. And I'm sitting there and I, I fight the first form. I'm like, cool. Second form comes out. I'm like, wow, this was difficult. I finish it. I'm like, yes. And then the battle music plays again. I'm like, what? I see the third form, and I'm like, oh, hell no. I look at the health. 
I, I look at, uh, I'm looking at my guide because I'm like, huh, I wonder how much health this thing has. 46,666 health. Meanwhile, I am doing 80 damage and I am max level. I'm like. Wait, is, it, is this, is this a Cyber Sleuth or is it a different game? This is Cyber Sleuth. Okay. 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 I was like, huh. Yeah, that was, that's a thing. And it took me three tries, but I got through it and we're done. We did it. Uh, it's nah. going to be a minute before I do the next one, but we did it. Oh yeah. I know that feeling. Um, speaking of Digimon, we ended up going to a Digimon tournament, uh, for the oh. trading card game last week. So I, so I heard, what were the results? Uh, I went to one, uh, mm. upset with myself. I got those, I got those jitters when I was playing. Right. So, uh, Lewis, Zach and I have been, we were practicing like nonstop because we had to drive an hour for this tournament. It's like a local tournament. So it wasn't anything huge. Uh, so we drove an hour and we were practicing nonstop for like most of Saturday and Friday to get ready to play for Sunday. So we get down there and we're talking to people and a bunch of people are really excited to like see somebody new. Yeah. Lewis went one and two. I went two and one. It was just three rounds, which was beautiful. Um, people were really excited to see like new faces in the scene. Cause there's not really a lot of people, but the game is getting more popular. Uh, found out that people from where we live go all the way down there to play because that is one of the only closest ones that has tournaments for the game. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to be starting a local scene soon. So get ready for that. Very excited. Um, yeah, so we're playing and I go against this one guy who ended up winning the whole thing and I made a big misplay and I was so disappointed with myself because I had game and I just... There was no reason for me to do what I did, but I did, and I lost. And uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, why did I do that? And uh, of course, the rest of the the rest of the time, I ended up playing like an absolute god for the rest <laughs> of the rest of the tournament because I was like, I am not, I am not losing. Uh, there was one part, uh, it's like last round, and I almost just scooped it up and gave up. I was like, oh, maybe I think you got this. And then I was like, wait a second. And uh, this this voice in the back of my head, Lewis's voice in the back of my head was like, don't give up. You got this. I look, I count. I was like, oh, you don't have lethal on board. I was like, all right, let's play this out. When I came back around, I took that. I was like, ah. So what you're saying is you believed in the heart of the cars and it led you to victory. Oh, yes. I believe the heart of the cars that I believed in the heart of. I've been practicing this deck and this deck. So here's the thing. I know how to play this deck and this deck knows how to play me. So <laughs> um, the deck that I play is known for like not being consistent mm-hmm. because it is good at what it does. Okay. Like when you get the thing, you win. That is, it is a 90% chance that you just win. If you get the thing, you probably win. But to get the thing is a very, very small you probably get the thing maybe one out of every seven games so six out of seven games you do not get that thing but i have been playing the deck so much that i've learned how to play around not getting the thing and uh i've i've gotten a better game sense of what other decks do what other cards do like what i need to play around and uh it felt good to actually do that 
where uh, people were like, oh, I'm going to use this card. And they're like, haha, that messed you up. And I was like, no, I actually didn't. I actually knew you were going to play that card. I actually did specifically that so that you played that card. And now I'm going to go for game. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. 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 Uh, it's like chess. It's like when I used to play Pokemon competitively where I'm thinking two, three, four turns ahead. I'm like, how am I going to win? This is how I'm going to win. My opponent's going to do exactly A, B, C, D, E. I'm going to force them to do this specific play so that I can just come in and gain the tempo and win. <laughs> Our games are a beautiful world, man. Oh, they're great. And uh, but the venue was awful. And <laughs> not going to say what the venue was. Yes. And uh, I'm not going back there ever again. And to think that, um, so we go there and Lewis goes, uh, oh, I want to sell some of my cards. Uh, person at the desk goes, oh, we don't do that. What? And uh, I felt so, I was like, uh-uh, that's not, this is not how this is going to play out. And I was like, oh, Last time we were here, you told us it was actually I'm pretty sure it was you that you actually told us that the person that does it only comes here on Sundays and Tuesdays. And I believe their name is an insert name here. And they were like, oh, yeah, that person. And then that person came over and was like, oh, yeah, we do that. And I was like, OK, no big deal. No big deal. Uh, but then, no big deal. They lied to you. Uh, the, it, was a, it was a big part. That's the worst part. Um, so they didn't uh, they didn't we didn't pay for the tournament until after the tournament was over. And then they were like, you go, you pay for the tournament, you get your prize. So I go up and I hand the person a $5 bill. Cause I'm used to paying $5 for this tournament. Uh, the, the person looks at me with like, I have seven heads and they look down at the, the bill and they're like typing on the computer and they look down at this bill and they look down at me. It's a $5 bill. And then, uh, they start typing on the computer and then they go, uh, the entry is actually $10. I was like, okay. So I gave them my card to pay the $10 entry fee. And I was like, okay, can I get my prize? And they were like, your prize? And I was like, yeah, for the tournament. I I, I basically came in second place. Uh, like, like I tied for second with probably one or two other people. So yeah, I want my prize. <laughs> and they were like, I don't think you get a prize. And I'm what like, do you mean you don't think? In my brain, I was like, well, why do you think I just paid $10? <laughs> like, you think I just paid $10 to sit at a, to play Digimon? Like, I could do that at home for free. <laughs> and, the, and then they were like, oh, no, yeah, you get a prize. You get one pack. One pack is $5. So I went, I drove an hour, played for three hours, went two and one. <laughs> And get, got a $5 pack of cards. What did the first price guy get? Two packs? Uh, probably. So, yeah, I'm never, I'm never doing that again. Um, not, not there. Uh, I, yeah. so, uh, Lewis, Zach, and I decided that we're going to be starting our own local scene uh, where we are. And we're just like, yep, we'll drive 5, 10, 15 minutes and we will play with people and we'll get a scene started right here in the center of everybody instead of driving an hour and going to a crappy venue. And I'm not going to say what that venue is. Uh, it is in New Jersey. And that is all I will say. I do not recommend going there. <laughs> that is. Um, wow. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah, so that's what I've been up to for this past week. I don't think there's anything good in New Jersey. I mean, you're <laughs> a trillion percent right. Also, hey, PJ, long time, no speak, friend. Yeah, there's nothing good in Jersey, honestly. Um, Yeah, yikes. It was bad. I was like, huh. Yeah, not doing that again. <laughs> but if you're into the Digimon trading card game, I highly, or if you're interested in learning, I know we talked about this uh, last week, but you should definitely, I see that uh, Dear Queer put exclamation mark Discord in the chat. You should definitely join our Discord community. Uh, we are a community safe space who dedicated to, to learning and enjoying geek culture together. Uh, and, uh, Lewis, Zach and I have been like posting a lot of Digimon stuff in the, and the discord. We play Digimon in the discord, uh, and we are more than willing to teach people that want to play. We actually play on tabletop simulator. So if you have tabletop simulator, you can play the game essentially for free. If you have tabletop simulator, um, so obviously if you don't have it, you have to pay for TTS, but if you do have it, you get to play completely for free. And uh, we do a lot of deck building together and a lot of discussing the meta game. And uh, and so we're definitely willing to teach people how to play because the game is a lot of fun and is very interesting. So if you want to learn how to play, definitely join us in the Exclamation Mark Discord community. If you like, if you like uh, tabletop games or whatever, definitely worth checking out. Uh, do you have any closing notes, Cherry? Um, not really, but all this talk about tabletops uh, reminds me of, um, I wonder whatever happened to the Bakugan revival, because it it, start, it started, and then COVID happened, and I'm just like, you didn't make an online space for this. So. I was about to say, COVID happened, because... <laughs> yeah, I was like, COVID happened. What's they were going? really pushing for it. They had a bunch of influencers come oh, in, yeah. and they had all this stuff. They were doing crossover events. Did you know that Beyblade is making a comeback? Uh, I thought Beyblade, like, ever since I saw Beyblade TikTok, I thought it was always just around. No, it's, all, of course, it's always been around, but it's, like, making a comeback. Like, now Beyblades are, like, a thing, and they're hard to find. Like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I remember back in the day when I used to just, uh, I would be on my computer, I'd go on uh, Toy Wiz or Troll and Toad or whatever, and I'd get the little parts to make my little Beyblades. I didn't know anything. I was just like, and they came in these little boxes. I used to get so excited when I heard the jingling in the boxes. <laughs> but yeah, Bakugan, oh. like, oh my goodness. Bakugan. There's a, there was a lot of revivals playing Bakugan. I heard Chaotic was playing getting revival. I don't know what's ever happened with that. But I was just like, I've been like, keep, I've been trying to keep my ear to the ground for that one. It's just like, where is it? You mean Hearthstone? Uh, Chaotic? Hearthstone? I don't know. Uh, they're pretty much the same thing. They're pretty much exactly the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't play Hearthstone. I don't. I don't play any of Activision Blizzard's games anymore. But uh, yeah. Oh, Jake Paul has probably been buying the Bladebates up. Honestly, mm. honestly, the fact that um, is it Jake Paul? That's one of the whatever one of the brothers that got bought a bunch of Game Boys and then uh, put acrylic over them to oh, make a coffee yeah. table. That was uh. It's just like, why? It's, it just doesn't make... It's like, yeah, I know you're like, you have millions of dollars, but there was no reason to buy modded... Logan Paul, yeah. It's like, there's no reason to buy modded Game Boys to put acrylic over to make a coffee table. You could have just bought $5 shells on Amazon and did the same thing. <laughs> oh, God. I guess it looks nice. I mean, but like... 
Okay. And it no, would look exactly it. the same yeah, if you just bought the pieces, and it would have been literally a fraction of the price. I remember I saw a tweet that felt that said like that. There's like there's no better evidence of like like pe- people just want to own things under capitalism than that right there. Like yeah. it's really about it's really just about ownership of a thing that I can do it when I have the money. It's like okay. And okay. people like okay. me that are like in the modding community that like to mod stuff, and they like we like I know how much it costs. Like it's hard to find the consoles just to begin with, like a Game Boy Color, and then the parts are a lot of money, like a lot, a lot of money. We're talking like a IPS screen is like 50, 60 bucks just for the screen. And, you know, we're, and Jake Paul had, uh, or Logan Paul had like the light up buttons, which are like 20 bucks each. And it's like the, those shells are like $20 each. So you're talking a a game boy color that's worth like 200 bucks. And you literally could have just bought a $5 shell on Amazon with the buttons and did the exact same thing. And it would look exactly the same. (laughs) Um, Yikes. I almost want to say throw away your money, but it just seems like a a freaking waste of shit to to throw all that away. It is. (sighs) It's so disgusting. Uh, Any other closing notes? Um... Hopefully, I'm here again next week, and I will let you know how deep my D&D session went. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah. final note. So, um, ooh, I don't think I can announce yet. But I can't announce it. But I will say that February is a month uh, that has to do with Black History. And user-friendly will be doing... Uh, an entire month's worth of Black History Month streams. I can't announce. I can't announce what's happening. Uh, whether you piece it together, what is happening, you can do that. But I will not be announcing that. But we are going to be doing Black History Month streams, and we are going to be teaching critical race theory. So Terry and I have both. Uh, read critical race theory at least the introduction to critical race theory uh and what is going to be happening starting next tuesday is that we are going to be uh is is it next tuesday the first yes it is actually i was just looking at it Uh, so perfect timing so next tuesday february 1st we are going to be introducing critical race theory and discussing the, we're going to be going through each chapter of critical race theory so there's seven chapters of the book we'll probably do one or two chapters per week um you're going to dis we're going to teach it per chapter and we're going to stick to that chapter what we're teaching then we are going to discuss it and then at the end of the at the end of the discussion there's actually discussion questions so that's the beauty about critical race theory is that it is actually a legal theory it's not like uh it's a racial legal theory about uh focusing more on legal storytelling and instead of uh black and white laws pun not intended so uh at the end of each of the discussions <laughs> at the end of the, each of the discussions there's discussion <laughs> questions in which we will be having the dis- we'll be asking the questions to chat and discussing it amongst ourselves and having these tabletop and roundtable discussions and of course like in those discussions, it's 
it's a safe space so we're not going to bash you for any sort of unless you're going to be blatantly racist and blatantly try to fight me then you will be banned and i have absolutely no tolerance for it especially during black history month and you will see my black butt on black history month be as black as possible if you try to mess with me but it is going to be a safe space so uh if you have questions like that when we're doing these discussions one of the questions that i thought was super interesting that's asked in the book is it talks about privilege and specifically the different types of privilege and it asks like does this person have privilege and if so what is that privilege and i think that's going to be an amazing discussion to have between me cherry and the rest of y'all so uh we will catch you for black our first black history month stream of 2022 on next tuesday at 9 first of the month. eastern yes the uh, first of the month and that's gonna be great it's gonna be real great uh, as soon as I get my email back, we'll see what happens from there because I can't announce anything yet. I'll announce it in our exclamation mark discord. So for people that are in on Twitch right now, use the exclamation mark discord command to join our discord. We're on there almost every single day talking, playing video games, uh, having a good time discussing a bunch of stuff right now. We're on to Pokemon because the new Pokemon games come out on Friday. <laughs> so excited. That snuck up on me completely. I still, I'm still not yeah. ready for it. Absolutely wild. And the new Final Fantasy game. That was so funny. And we're going to be. Um, no, that, that doesn't exist. I still refuse to believe that still exists. And for what people is? that are listening to us on every other thing, make sure to go to uh, userfriendly.com slash discord to join our discord to get notified for all the things that we're going to be doing and to join our community because it's a lot of fun here. Uh, we greatly appreciate you all. Have a wonderful night. This has been absolutely phenomenal. Thank you so much, Cherry, for joining me on this adventure tonight. And we are going to have a hoot and a half next month. A hoot. I know, I know Cherry and I are both like mentally preparing for the amount of a lot <laughs> that we're gonna have to do. <laughs> it's just I'm excited. I'm, I'm not so excited. <laughs> it's gonna so, be a I'm lot. Not- I said I'm I'm not I'm not looking for a brawl, but I, I will be prepared for one. <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna make a lot of people angry. I mean, my the video that, that came from last year ended up on alt-right YouTube and it is the funniest thing because I'm just like y'all gave us thousands of views and and then commented to give us more engagement, so we're gonna get even more views. Uh and I'm like, you can bash on me all you want, you could call me whatever you want, but you just gave us money and i'm totally down for that that's beautiful <laughs> really beautiful i I'm, I'm love i love i love i love when when hate turns to mo- when hate turns to money and and more love it's just mm. oh you love to see it folks but have a wonderful night y'all it's been a pleasure we love you all bye beautiful all of you <laughs>